Well, hello and welcome to 15-Minute Theology, a podcast exploring the central truths of the Christian faith in just around 15 minutes. My name is Tyler Burton, and if you are watching this, I want to just say thank you for joining us because this is the inaugural episode of 15-Minute Theology. The goal of this podcast is a pretty big one. It's to create a comprehensive and accessible systematic theology in podcast form. And so you are here at the jumping point with us. want to thank you for joining us in that and also let you know a little bit of where we're going. For season one, we're going to deal with really the grounding place of all theology, of everything that actually has to do with the Christian life. And that is God himself. We're going to take 10 episodes and talk through various aspects of who God is and how that directly applies to who we are. And in this first episode, the place that we have to begin is that God exists. And if he exists, he is also self-existent. Well, to help me out with that topic and to introduce this season as a whole is Dr. Ken Keithley. Dr. Keithley is the Senior Professor of Theology and the Endowed Chair of Biblical Theology and the Director of the L. Russ Bush Center for Faith and Culture at a little old seminary in Wake Forest, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's also the author of numerous books and co-host of the podcast Christ and Culture. Dr. Keithley, thank you so much for joining me. Well, Tyler, thank you for having me on your program, and I'm quite excited to be on the inaugural episode. I told you this in private, but I'll tell you this here as well. I don't know if I could have thought of anyone better to start with. A lot of the ideas that came to this project had a lot of different sources, and you were a significant one in that. For context, Dr. Dr. Keithley was a professor of mine during seminary. Your lectures on the doctrine of God were very formative to me and actually led to this idea. So I'm incredibly excited to have you start us off. Tyler, I'm excited to see what you're doing in this field. And so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's kind of jump into our, our content for today. And before we even get to the specific idea of God's self-existence, I want to just talk about the doctrine of God as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes when people approach mm-hmm. these things, it can feel it can feel out of touch. Sometimes it can feel very heady. So let, let's just ask this. What is theology proper, and why why is this something we should care about? Now, you asked the question, what is theology proper, which is in contrast to theology in general. Mm. Um, theology in general is just simply the study of all the things that relate to God and the world he created, which is basically everything. Right. Whereas theology proper is the study of God himself, his existence his nature and attributes, and his character. So so that's what we're, we're doing when we talk about theology proper. Now, you were asking why does it matter? Well, what we believe about God will then inform what we believe about the world. Mm-hmm. And what we believe about the world will inform us as to what we believe about ourselves and our relationship to others. And so, as you rightly pointed out, it is a foundational belief that will inform everything else. Yeah. Is that, is that popular Tozer quote, right? What comes to mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the exploration of those things, as I think we're going to find here, are incredibly possible. Sometimes they feel distant, but actually as we start getting into the waters there, we are interacting with these things more than we probably think we are. Uh, Yeah, they're totally relevant because the way you order your day is ordered by what you understand to matter and to be important. And what we believe about God 
informs us as to what is the good life, you know, what's right and wrong, what what has meaning and and what not so much. So yeah, it it uh, it it really does inform us. It's sort of like um, uh, the the infrastructure of a building. You may not see it, but it determines mm. the shape of the building. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that description. That's fantastic. So, all right, we have this incredibly important piece, doctrine of God, theology proper, shapes all of who we are, mm-hmm. and we really want to start kind of all the way back as far as we can in that discussion. And really, it's that God exists, and He is self-existent. So, can you help us understand what theologians mean by saying that God is self-existent, or what's commonly referred to as the the doctrine of aseity? Can you help us understand that? Yeah. Well, by aseity, we are saying that God is not dependent upon anything, that he is truly independent. And if you think about it, what we're talking about is God as the ultimate reality. And this goes back not only to aseity, but the whole idea of the ontological argument. Everyone, I was on a podcast not long ago with an atheist, and I just asked him, what do you, what do you, what do you hold to be ultimate? Hmm. In other words, you can't go any further back in your logical progression. When you get here, you've come to the fundamental reality of all things. And whatever that is, is, is eternal, necessary, self-sustained. Um, you know, he came up with quantum field and, you know, which, which is, which is very questionable about what, just about how absolute and essential it is. Um, some will even try to argue, well, the universe is an infinite regress. Okay. That infinite regress is your understanding of the ultimate reality. All of those explanations seem to fail pretty, pretty obviously, at least to me, Christians have argued rightly. So I believe that God is that ultimate reality. Hmm. So therefore he is uncaused. Now you can have you can't have an uncaused effect. That doesn't make any sense. But you can have an uncaused cause. So whenever you, you arrive at God, you have arrived at what Anselm said, that which no greater can be conceived. If you're able to conceive of something even greater, you say, well, what caused God? Well, then that would be God. Mm. Uh, so whatever is the ultimate that causes all other things, we call him God. Mm. Uh, and so that's what we mean by God, that he is his existence is the one brute fact of all reality. The brute fact of all reality. That's fantastic, right? There is a there's a fundamentalness to God, right? He is. I let you use the word necessity, right? Yes. Uh, he is. He well, everything is the, else is contingent. You know, right? You know, yeah. That's why Anselm called him the necessary being. Mm. Uh, he is the one who cannot not be. And so that's what we mean when we talk about God's aseity. If he is the one necessary being, this means that he doesn't need the universe. He uh, would be just as glorious if he had never created, but that he is self-sustained within a perfect fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit throughout all eternity. He already enjoyed all maximal glories. That's why we see creation as uh, an act of of, of, of pure grace, a, a gratuitous act uh, that he did not have to do, but he did so as a demonstration and a manifestation of both his glory and his grace. Hmm. That, that the first thought I had when you said that was the glory of his humility in creating, mm-hmm. because even to create for something, for God to do that, 
as the one who needs no thing is perfectly maximally glorious for him to even create is an act of humility. There is even condescension in that. Yeah. It changed the very nature of reality because up to that point, he was the sum total of reality. Now notice I use the expression up to that point. And, and now I'm speaking anthropomorphically because I have no idea what the nature of time are. If there was such a thing as time, I kind of doubt it. Um, that there was anything like that prior to creation. And so, so we are speaking in, in very um, limited, finite, cautious terms when we talk about, well, up to that point. Having said that, um, whenever he created, he allowed something that was not God to be, which was an amazing uh, act of condescension. And, and from that, we, we developed the whole notion of creatio ex nihilo, which you, I'm sure yeah. you'll talk about. In other words, what is the very nature of creation? Were we made out of stuff that existed alongside of God? No. Were we made out of stuff uh, of his own being? Or, in other words, are we somehow divine? No. If, then, then what were we made out of? And, and the answer is, well, out of nothing. Uh, which was a very controversial thing in the d- early days of the church because the, the, the Greco-Roman mindset was out of nothing comes nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so someone like Aristotle argued that the universe was eternal or someone like Plato argued that God created out of stuff that was accompanying him, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, He's taking eternal, along with him. A, ty- a, a, a type of dualism, if you will. Hmm. Uh, so against any type of pantheism or dualism, Christians argue for theism, that God created the universe out of nothing. Um, and, and what that does is it establishes the very notion that you're talking about, God's aseity, his freedom and independence from that which he created and the total contingency and dependence of creation upon God as creator. Man, there, there are so many things we could pull from this single doctrine, right? There's so many elements we could pull out. One question I have for you in light of this is how, how does self-existence, God's aseity, connect to the Christian life? Well, it, it, it affirms God's sovereignty. Yeah. In other words, what this does is it affirms that God truly is sovereign over all of the affairs of life. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the great mysteries we have, and, and this will be something I'm sure in a, in, a, in a later episode or a whole series of episodes, is since the God of the Bible is, he's good, glorious, great, all of those things, then how is it possible that a world exists like ours in mm-hmm. which obviously there is sin, evil, selfishness, and death. So the problem of evil will be something that we'll have to address. What we would say at at this point is, is that despite the fact that God has allowed or permitted evil to exist, he still has sovereign rulership Mm -hmm. over all that he has created. So therefore, this means that I can trust him on uh, every aspect of my life, even during those times when it seems like that, that evil is winning the day, mm-hmm. we are promised that he's still in control. So, yeah. so, so that it, it, it informs the way I pray. It informs mm-hmm. the way I trust. It informs the way I make my decisions. Um, there, there's just nothing that it does not inform. Yeah. 
that it, there is nothing that it does not inform. That's fantastic. One thing you and I talked about when we first connected was aseity also links to the very unique exclusivity of Christianity in that if we are now thinking through our faith in light of other faiths, and we are now for the first time interacting with folks who might have a Hindu background mm -hmm. uh, or might have a pantheist background or a pagan background, when we start to carry these ideas out and we're wanting to kind of connect across the dots evangelistically with people, um, we actually see these differences right away. Aseity is one of the things that we first see as a distinctive, unique doctrine about the Christian God as opposed to others. How, how do you think that can kind of drive mission then? How do you think kind of the unique exclusivity of this God who is self-existent can actually push us further into sharing who Jesus is? Well, as you've just pointed out, and, and you, you said a lot in that question, this means that our doctrine of God informs what we call a theology of religions, mm. which is another set of, of, of podcasts, if you want to have them, uh, because it, we do ask the question then, okay, if, if the Christian God is the God that created the heavens and the earth, who revealed himself in Jesus Christ, then why has God allowed so many other religions to be? Sure, uh, there yeah. is the the major monotheistic religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And then there are the major Eastern religions. We're thinking of Buddhism and uh, Hinduism. And then there's others. But whenever you say those big five, you've, 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 you've said the, the majority of them. Uh, so the question is then, you know, why has God allowed? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and what you have is a soteriological variant on the problem of evil. You know, mm -hmm. you know, the very question, okay, if God is, then why has he allowed there to be evil and sin in the world? Um, and, and a soteriological variant of that is, well, if Christ is the only way of salvation, why has he allowed so many religious impediments to that? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, that one is a great big um, a series big of questions. Big old can of worms there. Yeah, yeah. we're not going to get that done in 15 minutes. What we can say at this point is, is that, that we do affirm that, that the God of the Bible is the God who created the heavens and the earth. He has mm -hmm. revealed himself uh, salvifically through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, that informs our theology of religions, which in Bennett's step uh, informs our theology of mission, mm -hmm. because we have been, as a church, given a commission to uh, join up in the mission of God. And the mission of God is to take his rightful place in this universe. And the rightful place in this universe is that Jesus Christ rules and reigns mm. in the hearts of all people. And one of these days, physically, in, in the city of Jerusalem. So we look forward to that day. Yeah. And we, we do not understand ourselves to be at, at war with any other human being. Mm. We do understand there to Very be good, a, yeah. an immense spiritual warfare against principalities and powers in heavenly places. But we understand our mission to be a, a gracious and helpful mission, not one of warfare against any other human. That's unbelievably helpful. One, one thing that I pulled from what you said, there's a lot I pulled from what you said, but the self-existent God has humbled himself, not just to create, but to create people like him, to be sinned against. He's humbled himself to be able to be sinned against, 
to still pursue his people in the midst of them sinning against him and then to die in the place of sinners to rise for sinners and now to save those very sinners and send them out to reunite them with the God who is self-existent. Um, yeah. The, the, the narrative of the Bible is quite complex and layered. Hmm. There's a lot of interesting twists and turns, but the arc of the narrative is clear enough. Yeah. It is, it is one of creation, fall, redemption and then ultimately consummation yeah it's beautiful and it is all to by for and because of this god who does not need us it's, yes. it's incredible well dr keithley thank you so much for kicking us off from this season thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time